Hello, our lovely Girl Awakening listeners. Welcome to 2023. I'm Jo Hendy from the Sacred Sister Project. I'm Amanda Parker of Mayala Organics. Come with us as we journey into this week's Awakening episode. I talk to a spirit. She comes in my dreams. She teaches me lessons. And boy. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Joe. Here we are, Girl Awakening, another beautiful guest from across the ocean. Yes. It's our first. <laughs> it is our first. first our first yes. OS. Yes. There you go. We're cousins. Yeah, yes, we are. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Sarah McGann. Yeah. Thank yeah, you for having me. You. Sorry, we didn't even ask how you pronounce your last name. It's McGann? Yeah, it's McGann. Yeah. Perfectly yeah. right. <laughs> first time. It's the New Zealand coming out in Amanda. Yes, yeah. It's my New Zealand's my roots. Australia is my home. But yeah, it's just an incredible place to of spirit Mm. and uh, and Joe loves. uh, Yeah, I've been there many times. Yeah, Mm. it's beautiful. Yeah, it's magical for sure. (laughs) And your particular part of the world in the South Island is just pristine as well. Yeah, incredibly rare yes. part of the world mm. yeah so I actually grew up there so I grew up in a national park in a, a little village called Makarora which is just um towards the, the west coast above Wanaka so oh. um so I actually grew up there and I got stuck there at the first lockdown because oh. before that I was living in Bali and I never saw myself living back there full time because it's so freezing in winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was thinking I bought... your snow pictures. Amazing. It's <laughs> <that gets> cold. <laughs> yes. We we got snowed in this year a few times. Mm. But yeah, like like the lockdown forced my hand and I just happened to be there at the time. I was planning mm. to go back to Bali to escape the winter. Absolutely. So I'd do summer New Zealand winter Bali. Beautiful. Yeah, but, mm. but it's been so amazing actually being really grounded there yeah, nice. and back back to my roots and yeah. where all my best friends are. So it's pretty, it is a very magical spot to get stuck in, let's say. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm going to actually read a little bit about you first, yes. Sarah, just so that listeners know who you are. So Sarah is an intuitive energy healer for purpose-driven women committed to creating the kind of life their soul desires. Her group programs and one-on-one practice have helped thousands of women clear the energetic jump getting in the way of what they wants so that their desires are not some distant possibility. Mm. They're inevitable. Inevitable. It's a tricky word to say. <laughs> he lives in New Zealand. He's a self-proclaimed dog whisperer. We love this. <laughs> and has over 25 years of training and experience, which she shares with her clients to create significant shifts in their lives. So beautiful. I love the dog whisperer. The dog whisperer and the purpose-driven. Yes. Like, yeah. It's very Purpose-driven cool. is um, such a powerful uh offering yeah and to recognize in people as well isn't it because you do have yeah. that willingness don't you you've got to have the willingness if you want to make the shift there has to be willingness absolutely and I think for me the purpose comes from like growing up I always felt like I had a purpose you know where you feel like you've got the calling but you just don't know what it is <laughs> yeah and often what what our purpose actually is is what comes most easiest to us, what's yeah. what is most natural. And because of that, it's in our blind spot. It's mm-hmm. so obvious 
but because it's so obvious, we can't see it. It's like that part of the car where you're like, I can't quite see, is there a car there behind me? Can I move into the next lane? Yeah. It's, it's the same kind of thing with um, that I feel with our, our purpose in life, whatever that is, and everyone has their own individual purpose. Um, and so, yeah, for me, that was such a big part of my awakening, I guess, was really uncovering and stepping into that healing aspect. And it always been there. And also kind of ignoring it for so long as well. Mm. So that's why I really like to work with purpose-driven women, women who have like, yeah, I want to like leave a legacy and, you know, make make the world, you know, better or different or in some way advance, more advanced or creative or whatever it is because of their own unique offering mm. and their yeah. own, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. You can really feel how that would resonate mm. with so many women who, as you say, are tuning into their purpose or asking what their purpose is or actively engaged in their purpose mm. to, um, to connect with you and have a direction for that to be even more enhanced. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to dive straight in because that's a very powerful start to just our our um, gathering here today Sarah what how did your awakening begin so it, it started when I was 18 and I would say there wasn't like you know some people have the, like that one awakening and like that's it it definitely has not been like that for me it has been many awakenings mm -hmm. uh, over my lifetime so I've just recently turned 46 and I, it started when I was 18 and so I started working with a counsellor when I was 18 who was like she was Dutch she's a Dutch woman and she had she could see auras and she talked about chakras and this was all stuff I'd never heard of before yeah. or never understood but it just I, like when I had such a I guess a shift when I was 18 I did also did a course around that time a personal development course that was sort of very spiritually based in nature I guess it was about past lives and that kind of thing and so yeah it started when I was 18 and of course I was also only 18 yeah and yeah. so it feels so young and just thinking yeah. you're looking at university or you know like those yeah. like job you're looking for you're going okay well I want to reach into something that I feel but don't know yeah well it didn't actually come from that it came through from my dad actually ah. so I you know have have always had a little bit of a challenging relationship with my father and it, he actually put me into the counseling because of or he asked, he didn't put me into it, but he asked me if I would <laughs> like some counselling. Um, and then he actually got, got me to do the course as well. So in many ways, my dad was part of the awakening, wow. part of yeah. the beginning, because of the trauma that we had had with him when we were children. Yes. So I guess it was maybe his way of sort of trying to make it better or try yeah. to fix it or, or whatever it was so yeah so that's how it started and then you know I've just always sort of dabbled I guess you know I do a course here I do a course there I started doing Vipassana meditation courses when I was I think I did my first one when I was 24 wow and I just sort of just 
Um, yeah, dabbled and dabbled and dabbled. And then I started seeing a healer when I was 30, when I was living in Sydney. And you know how when you like someone talks about someone? Yeah. And you're like, I need to know yeah. that person. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You yeah. get a healing, you just go there, do it. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting because other times, you know, I've had, you know, been like, you know, in my running my own business, running my own business and my own healing practice. I've had other people go, oh, this mentor is really great or this business coach is really great or this healer is really great. But I know when I know. Yeah. It's like a, there's like I don't need to read their bio. Yes. I don't need to, you know, yes. like any of that. It's just it's that knowing, yeah. It's that knowing. And so I started seeing, um, yeah, a healer and I saw her for about 10 years and I did some training courses with her as well. And she was such a beautiful woman. Like you'd look at her and it was like, she really looks like an angel when you look at her. She's Australian. Um, She actually lives on the Gold Coast now as well. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) She's not healing anymore, which is Ah, interesting. Yeah. So she's great to get her on the podcast, though, even though she's not doing the work. Sometimes it's just lovely to hear other people's stories. Yeah. She is an incredible woman. So, yeah. So I trained with her and healed with her on and off for about 10 years. Even after I left Sydney, we would then do like Skype calls or Zoom calls. And so she was a really big part of it, really big part of my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was living in Bali, I started working with an Indonesian healer. Um, he was from Java and I trained and healed with him for two years. And it was around that time I started a coaching practice. And it was really interesting because I was an okay coach. I wasn't amazing. Like yeah. I was okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was And that with recognition. Yeah, beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember one day I got up a call with actually an Australian woman and she she said to me, mm-hmm. You're not a coach, you're a healer. Ah. And I this was in my late 30s, and I got off the call and I was so Kind of like, oh, how dare she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and the, that's the truth. <laughs> and it's that whole purpose thing. Like, it's so obvious to everyone else. Yeah. It's so obvious. And yet there was so much resistance in mm. my system to mm. being a healer, mm. even though I was so drawn to it, even though it's what other people saw in me. Um, and... And I kind of got my knickers in a bit of a twist about that. And I was quite defensive. And I was like, yeah. oh, well, and she actually, she, I think she was a healer as well. And she actually said to me, oh, if you want to do a session with me, I was like, well, I'm not going to oh. do that. <laughs> As in, you know, <laughs> so it's, um, the resistance was strong. The resistance was real. Wow. Um, and then it was, yeah, it was, I, I came across another healer and she was an American woman. And I, I just decided to do a healing training with her. And as soon as I did that, it was like, life just got easy. Mm. Life just got, oh, it was just this relief, you know, mm. the sense of deep relief, like this thing I'd been searching for the whole time, which was right in front of my face. Mm was um was like there and then um and I'd actually finished my coaching business I decided it wasn't for me and I took nine months off and then I stepped into being a healing practice and I've just grown my business completely by word of mouth so um it's been the energy flowing is it like yeah mm-hmm. and and it's, sorry go on 
I guess that's how you know when you're, there's an alignment piece there, when there's that flow. And yeah. also the surrendering piece yeah. is uh, really important. Yeah, You know, like, okay, I could have looked at this, like why do I have so much resistance towards mm-hmm. being, you know, called a healer or, or being a healer or why do, I ha- why do I feel so triggered or why do I feel so defensive about that? You know, what, what, is, what is that about that? And then when I was kind of like, well, just try it. Hmm. it was just like the gateway opened up yeah and, and it just yeah and it's just kind of been like magic really yeah which has been beautiful um and so all the pieces up until that um were all like mini, mini wake awakenings I guess yeah, yeah that's then, what I was going to say it's like the I love how you've been to different people you yes. know it's like not just being the one but you needed all of the aspects of those other people to bring you to that one woman that then opened up the floodway for you kind of thing and then mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's not just one person sometimes we need to see different people to cover different aspects of like trauma or of, of you know of programming of you know it's different we need different people for different things yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of the growth and expansion as mm. well. Yeah. You know, now I'm not working with any of those healers. I'm working with uh, a different mentor. So yeah. that's part of evolution and growth. We're not meant to stay stagnant. We yes. are meant to evolve. We are meant to grow. And if you find a mentor or, and a healer that you can do that with, great. But if you get to a certain point, you're like, okay, well, I need something else now. Yeah. Because my purpose... or maybe not my purpose, but my intention is always, how can I serve my clients at a higher level? Yeah. That's always the tip. How can I, what, what is it that they need? How can I be of greater service to them? How can I, you know, how can I, you know, support them on their own journey? So because of that, you know, I always have external support as well. I think that's really, I think that's vital. I yes, think the so, moment yeah. that we think that we don't need it is probably the wrong area. You're in the wrong area. Yeah, probably yeah. the time you advise because yeah, that premise of filling your cup so you can flow out into areas where your purpose is mm. is a rock bottom hardcore foundation, isn't it? Or being mm. able to have longevity at anything you do and have the energy to expand and continue to grow in what you're doing. Because you are being fed, you are being nourished, you are being stimulated, Mm. you know, those things. And I just get this sense of what you're describing as your awakenings as these these rock stepping stones and gradually, you know, higher and higher um, Mm. as you're stepping from one stone to the other and ready to ascend to the next one, you know, it's that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, maybe it would have been easy if I'd had that just one big awakening. Yeah. <laughs> like I was on a training call this morning and a woman shared about her one big awakening, you know. Uh, and I I guess I, I was like, oh, maybe that would, you know, because it's kind of like that hitting rock bottom. And then when you hit rock bottom, you're like, you yeah. know, there's, you've kind of got to have the awakening. Otherwise, yeah. you know, what? Whereas yeah. I, I guess I never really had that. It was a more of a gradual. And so the important thing to, I guess, come back to is that your journey is your journey and your journey is unique and your journey, it doesn't matter how what other people's journey is like. It's like it's uniquely yours and it's designed for you and however you evolve is how how you evolve. Yeah. Um, and, and also you're, you're kind of, you're living in different places in the world too, which also contributes to, you know, the colour and the flavour of things as well, isn't it? You know, the 
the people that you meet and you know the absolutely you know the the experiences that you sink into or you know float into or mm. challenge absolutely by. yeah mm. yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful beautiful way to kind of incorporate just living just everyday life really isn't it so was this yeah. kind of your main like was the coaching your main thing Sarah like or did you have like a side hustle as you say or yeah mm. so when I was coaching um like as I mentioned, I was okay at it. <laughs> um, and I, but, you know, and I, I made money from it, but not enough to fully support myself. So I had like other contracts. Um, mm. I worked for another coach. I supported her. I worked for a, another, like I, I kind of contracted myself out in different places because I, my previous before stepping into my own business was I was in events and marketing. And I knew that if, even when I was coaching, even if I was like, this doesn't quite feel right. And the reason it didn't quite feel right for me is because I couldn't create the shift that people weren't self-actualizing through my coaching. Whereas through the healing modality, which there is some coaching, I guess, involved in there, but it's a, you know, um, as you know, Amanda, my healings are channeled. Yeah. so channeled coaching I guess in a way but mostly it's channeled healing so while I was running my coaching business I think because it wasn't quite I was close but I wasn't quite there I you know I couldn't fully financially support myself through that and then when I stepped into my healing business it was very easy for me to financially support myself without even I it's not that I didn't try but it, the flow was there it just people were just recommending people and then this person would show up and then that person would show up and then that person would show up and you and then that person would say oh you've got to see them and then they were a coach or they would did something else and they would say oh my gosh you should go and see Sarah and so really that's how my you know how my business has evolved and so I've, uh, since stepping into being a full-time healer which is about two and a half years now I've yeah. from the start I have been able to mm. you know financially support myself which is such a you know when you really tap into that like what an honor that is mm. to be able to a financially support yourself through your purpose and through your gifts and through what you're naturally good at but yeah. also purely through supporting others as yeah. well mm. um you know to create that kind of life that their soul desires like it's such a privilege and it's such an honor and I mm. I like I kind of have to pinch myself and I'm like there is absolutely nothing else that I would rather do in the world mm. than what I'm doing mm. like than being a healer like it's it just it just went clunk yeah and so you know it was late for me in life I guess around 43 you know 43 I'm now 46 and so what I would say you know because some people like feel like it's too late for them or they've left it too late or they and it's like it's not never too late well we never stop we never stop learning we never stop Mm. evolving it's we're never there we never we never make it you know Mm. we're, we're a constant um we're in a constant state of evolution. You know, we never once we think we've we've stopped learning, then chaos happens. Yeah, you're in the shit, basically. 
I want to but, step back a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I want to go back a little bit in time. Um, just back to maybe when you were 23, when you were, um, you know, you'd had some cancelling and you're now, um, I think you're in Sydney. Were you in Sydney at 23 or still in New Zealand? No, I was still in New Zealand. Yeah. In my but, 20s. Yeah, so you, you're starting to awaken. What did you notice um, happening in the world around you? Did you notice any shifts occurring? Were you more curious about things that were happening around you at the time? Were you waking up to those aspects as well? Is it more just an internal shift for you? So really there was nothing significant around 23. Uh, it was in my, like, early 20s 21 22 I was doing a lot of personal development courses and then when I was 24 I started doing Vipassana so around 23 I what happened was I think I got my first professional job out of university and I was working I'd done a sport degree at uni and so I got this job for a like a a government-run sport agency and I was the only female working in this sport, male-dominated industry, apart from the receptionist. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it was, you know, I mean, that's, gosh, that's going back 23 years, 20, yeah, 23 years. And it really, I guess I didn't have the support in that role um there were yeah there were I I got bullied quite Mm -hmm. a bit in that role by men who didn't think I was right Mm -hmm. for the position and it was really hard as a young 23 year old with no other woman around yeah um and it was very much that kind of you know it was in Dunedin in New Zealand that sort of old boys rugby club yeah and yeah, there were lots of egos and lots of bullying that went on and lots of kind of talking behind people's back. And for some reason, I was, I kind of got in the firing line for a few people. And so I had to really stand up for myself and bring it to the, you know, to attention. And luckily the top people were like, she's actually producing really good work. Yeah. She's done this. She's done that. You just don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they didn't think I was the right person. For the for the job, and, yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Is that basically <laughs> because I don't know? I I wasn't like I mean I was really sporty at school, but I guess I you know I was a dancer and I was a rower, so you know I didn't play you know traditional maybe sports, and so mm. I don't know. They just didn't think I was right for the job, mm. and so that's when I was like I wasn't doing any personal development around that time, and I was just getting really stressed, and I didn't know how to deal with it, and all these things, and so that's when I decided to go and do Vipassana because I was like, I need something because I'm sinking. Yeah. I'm sinking. And And um, this doesn't feel good. It's silence, isn't it? Yeah. So it's quite big for for it to step out of that world. Then I'm going to go and do a Vipassana. It's like, that's Mm -hmm. a big gap in between. It's not just meditation course at your local yoga, yoga studio or, And it's quite hardcore to be in that space if you want to explain a little bit about what Vipassana was for you. Yeah, so I think I'd done an intro course to Vipassana when I was probably 21, 22, so I knew about Vipassana and I was already meditating but with a mantra. Yeah. But the guy who I learned 
that me, the ma- mantra meditation with was a big Vipassana and his att- his intention was always for people to sit Vipassanas mm-hmm. and to get them to that point. So I'd done an introduction program with him. And so Vipassana is, yeah, it's a 10-day silent meditation retreat um, where you're, you basically, you live like a, a Buddhist for 10 days. So you... I don't know why they call it a retreat. <laughs> it's no retreat. I know, Vipassana, maybe it's a course or a program. They might, they may be, no, they, 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 they call it a retreat, but it's just like, it's not it's a retreat from the world, but yeah. it's mind. Yeah, I always loved it. Yeah. yeah. For me, because I love to be alone, I love, yeah. I'm like on the split, you know, if you're like introvert, extrovert, and I actually recharge being by myself. Mm. And I and then I can go out and be social. So I'm like middle introvert, extrovert. So for me, it's like mm. I just like sometimes I dream of like going back to a vipassana and like how lovely and amazing would that be just to yeah. be in silence and to meditate for like twelve hours a day or whatever mm. it is, and so and not have to talk to anyone. Like how yeah. amazing would that be? And the food is so incredible. But I. I <laughs> I know it's not for everyone and I know the fasting isn't for everyone because you don't eat after midday if you're an old student. Um, If you're a new student, you get fruit at five, but otherwise you don't. So there's some, there's a fasting element in there as well. So I did it for like, I was very committed to it for 15 years. And, but what had happened is I'd done a Reiki program Uh, and I didn't, when I was 26 or 25 living in Melbourne and I went and I shared that on my, I did a, I'd done a Vipassana and I did a Vipassana in Melbourne and I said, I, I, you know, I'd done a Reiki course and they almost kicked me out of Vipassana for that. And (laughs) because you're not allowed to do any kind of energy teaching or healing. Okay. While you're in the course or just in, just, yeah. At all. At all. Wow. So basically this is a reflection of the level of commitment you were at with the Vipassana uh, uh, um, studies or um, environment because you're more, more, um, you know, more dedicated to that pathway as opposed to multi-channels of. Yeah, it, it was, it was interesting actually what happened because I was like, they almost kicked me out and I remember having like talking to the teacher and having this conversation and sort of being like they she kind of made me say well you can either stay but you can't ever practice Reiki again or do any energy work again wow so that's a call for you to make a decision then isn't it <laughs> yeah or you, or you can leave and you can't <laughs> sit ever again that was the kind of wow. that was sort of it and um Gawinka who does who is no longer um he's passed so he's transitioned yes that's who you listen to is that right that's That's who you yes he does the discourses at night and he talks about it like you've got one foot in one stirrup and one foot in another stirrup and you can basically it's dangerous okay and I think it's I've I spoke to my acupuncture has who is all also of a Vipassana sitter and he said it's because they actually had some people who had done some energy healing or something and it didn't go so well during a Vipassana so they decided just to be like okay 
you you can't do both you have to choose one or the other and so I really did commit to Vipassana for a long time and I didn't do any any anything else and then I got to Bali and I did a Vipassana in Singapore and and then I surfed in Bali and I just kind of got to the point where I was like I think I was 36 or 7 37 I was like I just actually want to try something different yeah wow you know you got thirsty yeah yeah. And so that's why I sometimes dream about going back to a profession because I can't now because I'm a healer as a profession, you know, it's my profession and there's no way I'm ever going to give that up. Yeah. Um, so it's I can't so go bizarre. into the profession. It's so bizarre because it's like a religion, you know. It's like we should be free to be able to choose to go wherever because mm. we we're, we are connected to everything. Mm. You know, it's like we and all of those aspects support us in our journey of evolvement and it's like you know it's not one way or the other it's everything yeah and yeah and so it was that kind of very strictness I guess that that made me decide to and and also it's very I guess masculine in a way right if you think about it right you're sitting there not moving like you can't move there's a a dictum you don't move for an hour you sit, you're not allowed to scratch your nose, you're not allowed to shuffle, yeah. you just sit there and you observe. Like mm-hmm. it is very much a masculine practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Whereas, you know, the feminine energy is actually movement. Mm. We're meant to move, you know, it's a it's much more fluid, much more flowing. And so mm. for me, I guess it was a transition time as well into like looking more at my feminine side because sometimes you know in this world our masculine side as women can get over mm. strengthened because you know we because of all the the things we have to do in in the world and um, but I guess and what you were describing before about you know we've been in the sporting environment you know yeah. a, a kind of if you're wanting to thrive in that environment you're stepping up into that space of being assertive and mm. strong and resilient to maintain your your position and your standing and being seen and yeah it often can carry on can't it but mm. yeah and it's interesting because you know fem- the feminine gifts aren't necess- aren't really valued by corporate the corporate world mm. they're not valued you know it's the masculine the doing the yeah. taking the action the rah, 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 that kind of you know um energy is rewarded financially mm-hmm. but what people forget is there's actually a real magic energy with the feminine energy it's actually yeah. like magic it's where you're worthy just because you're worthy and you don't have to prove anything and it's not this transactional kind of thing and actually if we did bring more of that into the corporate world it would actually flow a lot better yeah you know doesn't that feel but, good because you're saying that mm-hmm. was so good yeah mm-hmm. uh so one of the questions I want to ask you about is like, as Joe was saying about your thoughts about the world changing, when you mentioned before about uh, channeling being a part of who you, who you are and what you, you offer, what you share, did, do you feel like Vipassana or Reiki, sipping into those areas, opened that part of you up? Were you getting a sense of yourself then or in that way? Um, no, I... I feel like I always, from a very young age, could feel how other people felt. Yeah. Or I could always feel when something was off, 
I could read a situation and be like, there's, and I didn't know what, like logically, I didn't understand. And my first memory of this was when I was four years old. Like I knew something was not right, but I couldn't articulate it. I didn't know what it was. And I, but I was, there was like a concern there because I could always sort of feel when something was a bit fishy or a bit funny, or there was a funny, you know, like, or I could feel if someone was sad or, so I always had that fear, I guess that feeling ability yeah um and when we're when we're young too like we're so open to that aren't we like you know as children yeah it's yeah yeah and it's not you know until we have experiences that that starts to change or close or mm. or enhance for better or worse yeah the reason it's so we're so open at that age but particularly between the ages of zero to seven is because we're in the delta and the theta brainwave states yeah mm. so we're in the subconscious where you know like our brain isn't operating in that high beta brainwave state either mm. and so when we move from you know sort of seven and upwards we start to move into the alpha mm. um the alpha and the beta brainwave states and and then, you know, and you notice it with little kids, they start to create their kind of, they start to pull away around the ages of seven or eight and they want to kind of create their own identity and separate out. And and that's, you know, because of that and because of moving sort of from the subconscious into the unconscious and all those different things. So when we are open, and so it's such a beautiful thing to do is to encourage children to keep that channel open. Yeah. Um, but it's also about teaching, I think, people how to protect themselves inside of that. Because you'll hear a lot of empathetic people say, oh, it's too overwhelming for me. And I just did it. Actually, you can. Pre- and that's one of the first things I do with any clients um, that I start working with is I set protection up for themselves because it doesn't need to be overwhelming or mm-hmm. too much or you don't need to shut it off. Like actually really seeing that as a beautiful gift and a beautiful skill, but also knowing when to use it and when not to use it is really the key there. Because yeah. otherwise, you know, if we go through life and we're like, oh my gosh, it's just I can feel all these people's feelings. And I mean, we'd go nuts, right? So, yeah. so knowing that we have a choice in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. we just, we're not taught that. So, uh, and I do think as well that, you know, we all have that, that it is an innate gift. It is, it is an innate ability that in a knowing we all have it. Mm-hmm. We all have it. And it's, you know, our ancestors had it. That's how they used to communicate with animals and how, you know, there was, that's how they operated as a like going way way back like the non-verbal like they didn't used to have language we've always had that inner knowing that wisdom and it's slowly gotten lost through you know language and through technology and through all these different things which are all beautiful in their own you know in their own right and at the same time what it's done is it's had people, you know, lose connection with the inner knowing. So that's a big part of the work that I do is like clearing the blocks, clearing the interference in people's inner knowing so that they can start to trust themselves again. Yeah. So as a as a child, going back to like the four-year-old or you, and yet that where you grew up as a child, do you feel, and what you're just saying about communication with animals made me think of the dog whisperer mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, 
Um, do you feel like that environment, that beautiful natural environment, kept those like you know allowed you to retain some of those gifts or that listening? Like, how long mm. have you been a dog whisperer for, Sarah? <laughs> um, I I actually went to South Africa and I trained with the white lions in oh. a place called Tambavati. Yeah, oh, heaven. Yeah. Yeah, so it was really amazing. So I always had that connection with animals. I always felt like there was there were less blocks to loving an animal. Yeah. yeah. Is what it always felt like for me. Like there was no like you know when you've got a dog and you've told them off because they've done something naughty <laughs> and then you're like you come home and they're just so happy they don't hold on to it yeah yeah they yeah, don't, yeah they don't pick it up later and throw it in your face and say you did that to me you know there's just <laughs> they don't hold on to it like their ability and their capacity to love mm-hmm. unconditionally mm-hmm. is something that is is yet not many humans have mastered that you know like it's not common on the planet you know yeah. And so I've always felt this really beautiful, deep connection with animals. And I've never really thought about it if it was connected to where I grew up. Um, I had a pet possum as I was growing up. Oh, so cute. And um, he he was, she, she was a rescue possum. Like, so that obviously my, that you'd have, because possums are a pest here and they destroy our native forest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, because my dad was a park ranger, so they would, they would have to go out and do a cull of the possums. Oh, wow. and, and they got this little possum and we called her, um, we called her Bruce because that was my favorite uncle, but it was yeah. actually a girl. <laughs> but we didn't know that at the time. And I just loved this possum. Like possums are so intelligent. And I'd play games. She was actually my yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're um, incredible, incredible um animals. And but she was actually my brother's possum, but my brother never, he's not really an animal person. And so I just kind of like claimed her and we would play games with her and all sorts of things. And so I think that's really where my connection to animals started with Bruce, the female possum. Oh, that's so <laughs> cute. When I was probably seven or six, maybe six or seven, we got her. And so, yeah. um, and so, but I've always, I guess, maybe growing up in the national park and like just, you know, like we we had one TV station and yeah. there was like, I don't know, it was like Sesame Street was the only kid show on that one TV that was on at like three o'clock for half an hour. And that was it. You know, there was this, you'd watch that one TV show and then, you know, you'd just be yeah. out in yeah. nature, okay. like run, running around or going to the high swing or going to your, like, I'm still best friends with, um, there were only two of us girls the same age and we're still best friends oh, lovely. now and um so we got or would be you know just the whole kind of village of kids would be out on an adventure somewhere and so even now like I, I definitely recharge in nature so you I think growing up in that environment and just being so in awe of the beauty of nature and I do grow I do live in the country at the moment um and New Zealand so, is one of those places where the nature is just so magical. And because I think of the, the ancientness of it, you know, there's obviously farming areas and things, but where the, the parks and the, the, the wildlife is, it's yeah. very um, magical. And you can mm-hmm. feel that the, the negative mm-hmm. ions, the 
you know, the masters, the ferns, all the layers, mm. the crystal clear waters and the rivers mm. and things. It's quite energetically charged, even though we're not thinking about it in that way. It's, you know, we're just, it's very pristine. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it takes my breath away. It's mm. just that beautiful. That's <laughs> really yeah. beautiful. I'm going to jump in and ask just, you know, when you're, when all of this is happening and you're, and you're realizing they, what, the paths you want to take and you're doing the Vipassana, is there any things that you had to change or give up? But there, was there any people that you realized just weren't aligned with your path or, or, you know, did you have to move or what was happening around you at the time that you, you know, you might, you may have had to make some shifts? Yeah, well, obviously doing Vipassana, I had to give up other forms of healing and that kind of thing. So that yeah. was quite a big thing. I think naturally I moved a lot like yeah. and so that's why being back in New Zealand for the last three years has been really good and really grounding for me yeah. so you know I moved to Melbourne and then I moved to Spain and then I moved to where did I go after that to Australia and then I went you know like the states and then I went back to France and then I went you know like all over so I was constantly moving because um, you wanted to beautiful or like just that calling because there's a that joke that's read about kiwis and australians how we just you know being in the bottom of the, the southern <laughs> hemisphere we just want to explore the world there's that calling for us to to travel yeah travel. was that oh like, were you searching yeah <laughs> i just really wanted to experience the world yeah i really wanted to experience the world i just wanted to see it i just wanted to like and like indulge in different cultures and just yeah, it was really, and I'm really glad I did that. Yeah. Like, and I'm glad I did it at the age I did it at. And, yeah. you know, in many ways I did it instead of having a family. So yeah. I haven't done the traditional, you know, get married and buy a house and have kids and that kind of thing. Like I, instead I traveled the world and I did different things and, I, you know, lived in Italy and Bali and all these places. And I'm so yeah. grateful for all those experiences and I'm also really grateful to be home. So because of that, all the moving, you know, you just leave people. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of, you know, you, people come into your life for a certain amount of time and then you move on yeah. <laughs> to the yeah. next country or the next wherever you go. But what's been really beautiful is my friends where I live now in Wanaka and Hawea, uh have been my friends forever. Yeah. And um and so that, you know, it's been beautiful to have that grounding there. So yes, people have come in, in and out of my life. And it's I think that's a natural thing when you're moving all the time. Mm. Um, and also when you're shifting and changing as well. It just kind of organically happens. Yeah. I feel that that, you know, people come in and people People well, even the, the fact that you're doing all this stuff and, and like you were saying, you know, your friends still remained your friends. You didn't have to, you were you were physically leaving them, but you weren't leaving them, you know, via your heart. You were still mm. kind of present with them. It's so beautiful that you were like moving out of the programs too of the world, you know, this structured life, like you said, around, you know, having a family, getting a nine to five, getting the picket fence, all of those. Naturally, you weren't following that path anyway. You were like, no, I'm just not going down that path. Well, yeah, you know, I tried um, to in Sydney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I got and I got I was miserable and I got really sick and it sucked so I stopped yes. it. so then I moved back to France that's so interesting <laughs> isn't it that you tried the program and it was like spat you out just like oh, no you're not it, made for this it just was not for me yeah it wasn't for me and I you know I worked in corporate Sydney and I yeah. worked in um big venues as an yeah. event and marketing manager and got the corporate job and tried to climb the corporate ladder yeah. and did all the so things and got the yeah. fiance and yeah got the all the things and actually I got really sick I got yeah. really sick and I was in and out of hospital for a year and a half and yeah um and it's just and so for me when we have like that physical you know sometimes if we're not processing our emotions because yeah. emotions are motions they are meant to move we're not meant to hold on to them if if we don't process our emotion then they, they actually stay in our cellular memory. They get stuck in the cellular memory. And over time, they build up. And then there is often a physical expression of it. Mm. Not always, but sometimes. And I'm not saying that every single illness or injury is an, a, a, an expression of a deeper emotional, unpro, unprocessed emotion. But often it is. And so sometimes the body's like, okay, come on, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. And that's literally what my body was trying to like shake yeah. me into this sort of like, this isn't what you're meant to be doing. Why are you here? Like, why are you actually here? You don't even want to be in this relationship. You don't like, you don't want to be, you don't actually even want to climb corporate Sydney. Yeah. What It's because, you know, I thought it was what I should do mm. because I traveled so much sort of um, from the age of 25 to 20 to 30. And then by the time I got up to 30, I was like, right, you got to grow up. Yeah. It's time to grow up. So, so it's like a program. guilty responsibility, isn't yeah. it, of that program. And it's another program. Mm. It's like, mm. it's so crazy. I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm seeing such a thread, you know, with a lot of the women that we have on the podcast that go down this path, you know, where they're, they have the awakening when they're younger and then they get around their late 20s, early 30s and they and something says to them, you know, that it's not enough or, you know, mm -hmm. that you really need to get back here. And then, you know, they try it and they get sick, they get the knocks, you know, knock, yeah. knock, knock, and then all of a sudden they're wearing they're, the wrong clothes. They're not listening and yeah. so they get the they get the the knock of, of being sick and, and some of them really, really sick, you know, to the point mm -hmm. of cancer or, or you know, um, where they're hospitalised and, and they've had to work their way back out of that yeah it's yeah. really interesting yeah um, and, whole being, yeah. and yeah. that in its own way is an awakening you yeah know, like with Absolutely. that with when we're dealing with the the illness it's sort of like mm -hmm. yeah and it's an interesting one because you sort of like you just got to surrender to it you've got yeah. to just surrender to well what does my body need and what would be in the best and highest of my body and there's no point having resistance then because or, or being angry with your body because your body's actually just saying, hey, something's not right. Yeah, it's being honest. Mm. <laughs> I can't cope with this. What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so yeah. interesting. And I'm sure that you now teach that with through the work mm. that you do. You know, we never we never go through anything for no, no reason. Mm. It's like it's it always gets utilized somewhere along the line. Yeah, it does. And I think the other thing as well, and this is something, I guess this whole, it always happens for a reason. 
absolutely and we can clear the blocks such that we don't have to keep suffering or struggling in that way yeah and that's a choice so had I yes it it absolutely happened for a reason it was like hey this isn't the life you're meant to be living you're not that conventional (laughs) you know so maybe try something else first to get your health back under it and maybe try something else but I could have kept you know repeating the same pattern repeating the same pattern living the same programming in different ways and not healing it and continuing like something else happening and something else happening and the struggle still being real and alive and so I guess my you know one part of you know a big part of my work is to clear the patterning which you've spoken about a few times you know that patterning that programming that coding that keeps us sort of in the struggle or in in the the loop Mm. Um, and it's because you know what you're describing like the corporate job in Sydney there's a ladder to climb you've got a fiance everything looks perfect yes you want to look outside of the you know the the container or the perfect picture takes a lot of courage and takes a a lot of open eyes and a lot of honesty Mm. because you can just go, oh, okay, I'm sick, so there's a medical pathway here for me to be supported by, you know, I'll keep going and I'll be supported with this and that and, you know, trundle along. It's, you know, it's um, it's exciting to see how many people are starting to ask questions around those situations in their lives when they are confronted with something mm-hmm. that pulls them out mm-hmm. of the perfect picture or what seems okay or what seems comfortable, but actually is inappropriate mm. and yeah. um, as you say those blocks present in so many different ways mm. to be willing to to question why is this happening and be open to hearing what the truth is mm. is, a, is, a, is a big um love for self to honor that process mm. it's mm. the highest kind of love i feel without mm. giving mm. the power away yeah without giving the power away yeah that's a big awakening. That's a big awakening. <laughs> I that forgot was, about that one. <laughs> Do that little one. Oh, that was huge. Yeah. So that. So after that, like you're in, you've you've come out of this. You're obviously we know now. Well, did you? Where did you go from there? Did you separate out from the, from the partner? Did you move back to New Zealand? Did you move on? it took a while to still separate from that partner yeah um because he had a brother who died and it was just too much I knew I I wanted to leave but I felt like I couldn't so I kind of just had to ride that one out um until he was ready to end the relationship so um and and then I left and I went back to Europe because I love Europe and yeah. I love even now he's like I dream about living in Europe again yeah, like, wow. it's probably one of my favorite places you know like I would really I know we'll go back and I won't go back and live there permanently but I'll definitely go back for two yeah. months or three months or whatever because it's just ugh, I just love everything about it um so so I went back to Europe for a wee while and then I moved to Bali and really how I moved to Bali was kind of I'd been to Bali on my, like I was going, I don't know, somewhere traveling and I'd been to Bali and I'd gone to the Bali Spirit Festival and and I I spent 10 days there. And then I just always felt like 
Bali, 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 Bali. Like I wanted to go to Bali. And I'd been when I was 15 and then I went back when I was like 36 just by myself for like two weeks. But my mum was always like, I travelled all around the world by myself, but mum was always like, don't go to Bali, go anywhere, but don't go to Bali. Because we hear so much, we only hear the bad stuff about Bali, right? You know, like the Bali nine and all the drugs and, you know, like that stuff. And so my mum had so much fear. And so for a long time I didn't go to Bali because of her anxiety around yeah, that yeah and then I was just like mum I'm going deal with it <laughs> <laughs> my heart's just saying come yeah there's a definite there's a definite powerful powerful point in Bali yeah yeah and so I went and and then and then I went back to France. I was like, this, there was lots of traveling going on. And then um, actually one of my best friends was like, hey, we're going to be in Bali um, for, you know, brother-in-law's wedding. And, uh, you know, and I was like, oh, I was in France at the time. And I was like, oh, I can come. I booked my flight and I got on a plane the next day and went. And then ended up living there for on and off for about, how long was it? That was 2014 until 2020. So on and off for wow. six years. Wow. Right? Um, and and you were doing your work there too? Yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing for a long yeah. time. Yeah. I, I didn't have a clue. And luckily I had like savings. Yeah. So I could kind of coast and I got a bit of work here and there. Um, and like really for years, I didn't know what I was doing, but I just knew that if I went and got another marketing or an event job, which I could have done, that was it. It was done. Was it more like a, like yeah. a dark, um, what do they call that again? Dark night of the soul. A dark night of the soul for you being there and, and being in that place of, you not know, knowing. not knowing. Time doesn't mean anything sometimes, does it? Yeah. I definitely did have a pretty big awakening, but it was when I was back in New Zealand. So it was around the time that I was in New Zealand, uh, between Bali and New Zealand, but it happened when I was in New Zealand. It's quite, I don't talk about it very openly um, because it's an, it's, it's a, I think what it was, was a shamanic awakening. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard to kind of describe and so when I had gone and trained in 2015 I went and trained with the white lions and I did a leadership course it was like a six-week leadership course with the global white lion protection trust Mm -hmm. and so it's the only place where white lions naturally exist in the world so white lions are not albino lions but their DNA is just slightly different because they still have black paws and you know blue eyes and and so so we went I went and stayed there on site for six weeks and there were tawny lions and white lions and other animals as well and yeah and we did a whole lot of different stuff while we were there we worked with an astrologer and we worked with um you know with you know scientists in terms of how to live in dynamic balance with nature and all there was all sorts of stuff that went on there animal communication um, I'd also trained with an animal communicator in Singapore. So I had a basis of animal communication before I went to South Africa. And we had a um, shaman come in, a guy called Mandaza from Zimbabwe. And I spent quite a bit of time with him on and off. And he was he was a beautiful man. And he would say, I'm, okay, Sarah, I'm going to go and sit with the tree. I'm going to go and talk to the trees now. And... 
I feel like something happened with him when I was there that kind of unlocked something. And so I did sort of have that. I've never trained as a shaman. I certainly don't call myself a shaman. I certainly never would because I believe that, you know, that isn't ancestral. That's like, it's a right, it's sort of like passed on through generations. And that's like, yeah. So but something something in there activated something in me and I did go through a period um I, I guess I can't even remember what year it was maybe it was like 2016 probably it was two about a year after actually I'd been to the white lions and it was that was definitely a dark night of the soul mm. and I can't even really tell you what happened in that mm. two-week period yeah um it was interesting yeah. <laughs> to say the least and I also imagine yeah also so the word was it like like you just felt disconnected from the world as a way of just just it, without you saying saying we don't want to go because it's obviously like a yeah, space really, yeah. for you but was it a, a disconnect from the world like like a self-repassioner or like if you want to put it that way or it was almost like darkness. I could it I couldn't function as a human. Yeah. It was almost like that. And it was yeah. quite scary. Yeah. And I happened to be at my mum's house at the time. And so I can't imagine how scary it was yeah. for her yeah. Yeah. to sort of go through that with someone and not yeah. really understanding it. So I have a lot of gratitude and empathy for my mum for that. Yeah. You know, what, what do you do? Well, what she would have had total purpose for that experience yeah. too in her own connection with you yeah whatever that was and then slowly I just sort of started to come out of it but it was very um I had to go very gently for a long time and then slowly I just it was I don't know not like a hibernation because it wasn't like I was asleep or anything I was very awake but it was through that time I was very clear that there were lots of energetic connections that didn't serve me anymore that I needed to clean up and so while I was like just I guess um unable to function as a human there was a lot of energetic work that happened during that time Mm -hmm. just and I would just sit with myself for hours yeah Yeah. it feels like just a world of channels opened up for you it's like like instead of the closing down it's like everything and you were feeling everything and it was quite overwhelming but there was all these magical things happening but also releasing of the past like what I'm sensing from you too is like it's like the it's the surrendering the letting go Mm. so you can expand into this next space that's been activated Mm. because I imagine around the lions which is just such incredible creatures and the depth of people that you were describing Mm. in that space let alone the ancientness of that land, walking on that country. Mm. You know, so cool. for me, I'm just feeling that. <laughs> you know, how the activation of that experience in itself is like mm. spirit walking you into a space where you can't walk out the same. Yeah, and I think that is something that the white lions do do to mm. you as well they're very spiritual beings where and and it was interesting when I was with you can feel the the tawny lions are of this earth they're yeah. of this they walk they are of this planet the white lions are not yeah, like, yeah. they're something different and um 
yeah, it was really hard. Like it's, it was hard to describe, but, you know, because we would go out every day, um, you know, lion tracking and because everyone there was trained to communicate with animals, Mm. you know, it was so, it was just this really beautiful, peaceful interaction and experience. And, you know, the the lions were always so relaxed because they were so safe. Wow. Um, So, it was interesting, you know, like to kind of feel them energetically, how different they actually are, but how they're, you know, the same as well, you know, different and the same at the same time. So definitely it's, they're like a star. They're a star being those white lions. Yeah. And so there definitely would have been something um, activated from them as well, I think, as well as the shamanic work that we did there. Yeah. Yeah. that was yeah I mean and it was I guess it was that awakening and I kind of forgot about that until like you know (laughs) I do I forget about it all the time that seems quite major like from just from what you're sharing and what we're feeling and picking up it's like that feels like one of the someone's like an ayahuasca experience or like a plant medicine kind of yeah an animal medicine absolutely medicine isn't it yeah yeah I think the scary thing about it was I didn't have anyone to guide me through it. Yeah. Whereas if you have, like, if you go through a shamanic awakening, (laughs) you know, and it's part of your ancestral right or DNA or lineage or whatever it is, and often it jumps a generation. Yeah. So in South Africa and, um, or, or wherever in the world, there's many shamans, but in Africa, I know that it, um, it can it can not always but it can jump a generation but you've you've got people there who can kind of guide you Mm. but what I've heard in you know in places like Africa sometimes those awakenings can happen for two years yeah wow you know like it's like a rite of passage that's like next level I'm so grateful that mine not kind of only lasted a couple of weeks and that I was able to kind of like find my way out of it yeah so I guess really during that time, I learned to be, I had to learn how to become my own self-healer. Yeah. You know, I had to learn how to clear the energetic um, boards and, you know, hooks that just yeah. didn't serve me mm-hmm. uh, and how to, cl- you know, clear stuff that, you know, and I, and I would just literally sit there for hours and with my eyes closed for, you know, every single day, just like, going through this process that I just went through and no one had taught me how to do it yeah I just had just allowed myself to be guided because I was like well you know I don't want to stay stuck here because this is actually really scary yeah well um, all the things you've done in the past like even the Vipassana I can imagine mm-hmm. that came in to support in some right. way you know yeah. the strength that you have to sit 12 yeah. hours you know all of those little aspects mm-hmm. of healings that you had prior Mm. all came in to support you for that moment yeah Mm. and and then actually at the end of it I had met I had a met an astrologer in Bali who's an amazing astrologer and she's a I guess a medium as well and I actually did have a session with her as I was coming out of it and that kind of just really helped as well so yeah yeah I actually forgot about that thank you for <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's interesting, like with the astrology slash medium energy, because it, you know that's like all the, the working with your blueprint, but the transits are the current and things, and for yeah. 
connect with you on that soul yeah. as well would have been just perfect yeah and I'd done sessions with her before so we you know we kind of had that we had we had um yeah yeah we had this kind of energy and she was actually the one who guided me well she wasn't the one who guided me but I spoke to I'd, I'd kind of I'd met her just after I did my first animal communication training and I was talking to her sort of about wanting to go to South Africa and be with the white lions and so she kind of knew the whole story as well yeah Beautiful. so that was really supportive to be able to go back to her Oh, that's that's so that's so crazy. The things that we hear, yeah, like what people do, it just blows my mind. That just sounds so amazing, so incredible. So now, um, Sarah, what do you do now to support yourself to stay, you know, in the moment and in the flow? Mm. Mm. So I have um, a daily practice, mm -hmm. and so I actually I I love Wim Hof breathing. Oh, oh yeah. yes, yeah, so good. <laughs> so every day I do the breathe. I don't do necessarily the ice bathing because yeah. you know it's. We just go over to Lake Monica occasionally. Oh, I know. Oh my god. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I, Lake Hawea is colder because it's deeper. Okay. Wow. So and I live not far from Lake Hawea, but um, yeah. So. I yes and it is it's like even in summertime it's freezing like yeah so I I but I love the breathing I really really love the breathing and I did a lot of different type of breathing when I w lived in Ubud in Bali and I just never really got it I was like I don't really get the big deal with this yeah, breathing yeah. stuff you know like and then I um oh, I actually went to a sound healing like maybe a couple of years ago in Wanaka and she started and she taught us the Wim Hof breathing. And then she did, went in and did the sound healing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love the breathing. Yeah. And yeah. so then I started, I downloaded the app and I started doing it myself. And then I went and I trained with a beautiful woman in Queenstown last year. And we did the whole, I got in her freezer and all this oh, all that so cool. as well. Yes. So, so my ask, like, with, the, with the freezer, because when you're talking about the different brain waves before, like they talk about the vagus nerve reset and things like that with the Wim Hof and everything. Like it's quite powerful, isn't it? That whole yeah, priority yeah. in the ice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm working my way up to it become the ice therapy becoming a regular thing. But I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm going to admit I'm a little bit of a chicken. Yeah, so. <laughs> especially when you're in a cold environment too. It's okay in summer to do it. It's yeah, it's easy to do it in summer, but. Being cold on the outside and having to take your clothes off and then think about getting into ice, it's like oh, the whole level. Yeah. Yeah. So I do so my daily practice is to do the breathing, which takes about 12 minutes. And I just follow along with um the has like Wim actually doing the three rounds. Yeah. And then I connect to source. So I channel source. That's like a, I don't channel like an angel or a it's source, source energy, divine, God, goddess, whatever word is, whatever word you use, but it's essentially the source energy, which I believe is where we all come from and where we, you know, our, this physical being expires, we will go back to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I connect to source. And so I will send myself healing. So just like I would send a client healing and you would know how I send healing, you know, and I give it to source to send you healing and also send myself healing. But then what I actually do, and this is this is a really important piece, 
is I say, good morning, source, I love you. Yeah. Thank you for co-creating with me in this lifetime. Thank you for being my partner. Thank you for allowing me to do the work that I do. Because we forget that this is actually a co-creation and that we ha actually we have this amazing support network. Most people are just not tapping into it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, no matter what, I always have what I need. Yeah. I always have what I need. And when I really tap into that, you know, because it's very easy to go, okay, source, heal me, heal me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I have this? Can I have that? <laughs> yeah. But it's like to actually show gratitude. Mm -hmm. And in the moment where I'm saying good morning, I love you and thank you, it's really hard not to be moved. Yeah. It's really hard not to almost be brought to tears every morning when I think about this beautiful connection and this beautiful relationship and this beautiful dynamic and this the fact that I do the work in the world and I couldn't do it without that relationship. Mm. And so, and this is something that I teach in some of my programs or my, you know, is that actually building this relationship with source is so vital. Yeah. You know, and it just it's we have the support there the support is always there and how you do it may be different to how I do it there's no one right way I, I always say there are many paths to the temple yeah. find yours find yeah. your pathway and it might be the way I do it and it might be the might be through the passion or it might be doing something else it doesn't matter how you do it it's just that you do it yeah it's just that you do it it's just that you create that connection that you make that time every day um to really connect in and to have that to be in that space of gratitude mm -hmm. to to raise your vibration because how you feel matters your vibe like we know that you know everything has a vibration water has a vibration whereas you know this cup is a more solid vibration emotions are the same yeah so you know the heavier the lower level emotions have a denser vibration like shame guilt fear apathy um grief they have a denser lower vibration whereas the gratitude the joy the love it's a higher vibration and so how you feel matters and so if you can cultivate this feeling of gratitude and just like how amazing is life because we forget how amazing life is sometimes absolutely Absolutely. I was just thinking when you were saying that, it's just so beautiful. And if only everybody, you know, really did tap in and knew that they weren't alone, it would just make so much, um, it would make their lives so much easier and better, you know, just the thought of knowing you're not alone. Because a lot mm. of people are just um, feeling so alone. Yeah. And know? lost. And yeah. And, and mm. lost. And it's like, oh, you're so not. You know, mm. you have like so many people around mm. you that just you need to need to ask. They're just waiting for you to ask. You know, and it's mm. and it's you know we do forget this. I I must say myself, there's moments where I do forget. You know, and I forget to tap in. And I forget to ask, and and in that moment, straight away, I'm asking. Doesn't matter mm. where I am. I could mm. be in the shopping center. It's like, oh hey, <laughs> sorry, forgot about you today. Please come in. You know, show me the way. Show me what I need. Um, mm. we're, we're working on this together. I love you. Mm. You know, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be done in a morning practice like I do. It can yeah. literally be in the shopping while you're waiting to like, yes. you know, at the checkout. Yeah. You know, it's so beautiful. there's no perfect way. There's yeah. your way. Yes. Yeah. 
I think that's such an important teaching because there are so many, you know, that you've got to do it this way. Or if you don't do it this way, then it's not going to work. If you don't do it this way, you're not going to be successful. It's like, no, they're like, we are all unique individual beings. Find your way that feels good for you, that raises your vibration and has you feel good. So, yeah. And keep asking because, you know, the, the thing that keeps getting reinforced is that practice. Yeah, exercising that muscle, yeah. asking, like saying, speaking so to it with tuning into your intuition and things. So nice, just once, you know, ask every day or mm. connect it every day, and even journal around it to kind of, um, yeah, find recognition and how you are traveling with that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and so journaling isn't like something I isn't something I like. It's just not something I particularly yeah. do yeah but I know a lot of people do so it's like again it's like if that works for you do that yeah I also love to use EFT yeah which is great and the other thing is I usually always have a mentor or a healer or someone I'm working with yeah um and like I mentioned at the start of the session it's at the start of the podcast it's sort of like I know when I know yeah like I know when I know I don't, I, I literally just have to heal their, hear their name usually. Yeah. Like, okay, I need to find out more about that person. And then maybe I'll do one thing with them and I'm like, okay, you know. And yeah. so having that kind of support network, I think is, is also really helpful because, you know, it just also reminds you that again, you're not alone and that, yeah. you know, that, you know, it's positive so beautiful. Positive reflection process as well. It's a positive yeah. reflection when you're working with yourself but also then with others to yeah. have someone just for yourself to yeah recalibrate or um and because because when you said about the journaling like i i thought instantly of your um your communications your writings and things you know you write beautifully you have a lot of content in there like do you is that like channeled for you or like you quite you find you have a um a structural process around what you write mm writing like I feel like I have blocks for writing so that's so thank you for saying that (laughs) (laughs) because I have a lot of um resistance to it um and I don't always find it the easiest thing to do but when I'm in the flow I do it when I'm in the flow I write when I'm when I you know and when it feels like it just comes out of me and when I feel like I've got something to say then it's very easy for me to write do I have a structure? No, not at all. Absolutely not. Perfect. Like I wish I did, <laughs> but I don't. That's um, the bit when the best writing comes. <laughs> when there's no structure, it's the feeling. Um, it's the true feeling. Yeah. And I, yeah. I guess it's the same when I uh, channel or we, so. There's a couple of you know I do I give energy teachings and then I do healing. So the energy to and I'm stepping more and more into energy teaching in the group coupled with the healing I feel like it's a really strong duo the energy teachings and the channeling and the healing so with uh, energy teachings I'll generally have some bullet like things like if I've got like I know you did the become an extraordinary receiver challenge so you know with that there'll be certain things that I want to cover each day and I'll bullet point it and then it just goes right so I'm not like it's not it doesn't how whatever comes out comes out and if you've you know if you've done groups sometimes I'll go completely in a direction I didn't think I was going to go but Mm -hmm. it's always perfect and I always trust that it's going to be perfect 
Um, and I, you know, whenever I get on a call or, or I do our source for guidance, I'm like, okay, let's, let's go. Let's make this one the best one we've ever done together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like coming back to that co-creation piece. And so, well, yeah. it's about, that's exactly what you said before. You know, it's the different essence in people. You can't, you know, you can't do that course with that group of people and then the same course exactly the same, same way because you've mm-hmm. got a different essence there. You know, they yeah. need, they need maybe taught a different way. It's mm. like, yeah, you just kind of have to go with it, whatever the mm. essence is coming through. Yeah, exactly. And that's trust, you know. That's trust and it is also practice. Yeah. You know, you practice like showing up, doing it, doing the thing, doing the thing and marrying the thing that you're doing with the energetic work. Like those yeah. two pieces really are the uh, the, the pillars of you know creating holistic success so doing yeah. the energetic work and then going and doing the thing yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. need both you yeah. need both of both elements yeah yeah. yeah yeah no absolutely do you want to ask yeah that well because when you're just talking about pillars it's like so how do you see the world sierra like where do you what do you see with where we're going in the world and what's happening mm. with the world from where you are It's a pretty intense um, time. And so here's my take on it, is that, yes, it's an intense time. And the best thing that we can all do is do the work ourselves and raise our vibration ourselves. By raising our vibration ourselves, we heal the world. Mm. And there's that tipping point. You know, it's like, when no one had a fax machine back in the 90s or the 80s or whenever they came out and then it got to 10 percent, and then everyone got a fax machine yeah it's the same thing with the awakening yeah we just got to get to the 10 or the 12 percent tipping point and so by doing the energetic work yourself and doing the healing work yourself and there's a thing like oh it's selfish to focus on myself like no it's Mm -hmm. not no one's getting the best of you when you are not the best version of you. Like mm-hmm. when you self-care and when you self-heal and when you self-actualize, your family get the best of you, your partner gets the best of you, your clients get the best of you, your your colleagues, your employer, everyone gets the best of you. But what you also do is you raise the vibration in the planet. Yeah. So yes, we can focus on all the, the terrible things and all the weird things and all the craziness. And I mean, there's a piece of us that it's important to, you know, to be educated around that and to make conscious choices around that mm-hmm. and to not go down the rabbit hole and to really self-actualize ourselves such yeah. that, we, you know, we raise the vibration on the planet. And there was a book that was written by a guy called Dr. David Hawkins. Yeah. And so he wrote a book called Power Versus Force and he, he did a 20-year study and it's the emotional scale. So like shame, guilt, grief apathy fear all down the bottom enlightenment peace love joy all up the top right when you vibrate at 500 which is love 500 or above and I cannot remember the stats I need I've got the book on my Kindle I read it like five or six years ago when we start to vibrate at a higher frequency it's something like we actually raise the vibration of others on the planet. Like it's like some crazy, like 5,000 people or something. Like it's so actually what we need to be doing right now is to be going through this, you know, 
our self-healing is more important than ever. Our yeah. self-actualization is more important than ever. Yeah. And um and so that's that I guess that's my take on it. Yeah. Um and 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 just to really make conscious choices in the world. Yeah. That's so beautiful and so so needed. I did um read mm. once that it was something like 23% or something of the planet if they all if they were not just, even that yeah, not even that something ridiculous it's like 3% oh. I mean it's under it's a very small fraction there of the planet it. it's yeah it's like we're literally talking hundreds of thousands as opposed to millions of people and yeah, I think I it's, it's the bell that. curve isn't it is it to do is it like the bell curve or something uh, like that yeah it's sort of like you've got the starters and then the early adopters and then the da, 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 and then it goes ah, like that. There you go. Yeah. We're going for that. We're going for that. <laughs> We're reaching wide and far. Yeah. We're yeah. doing our best. We're doing our best and our best to, um, to you know, uh, well, I suppose allow people to understand that the awakening journey is not just one way. And like mm. you have so beautifully said throughout the podcast that it's your own way. And, you know, as long as you're um, listening to you and mm. and your own essence and connecting in with um, everything else that's there to support you, you really can't lose, you know. It's, mm. it's the ultimate in self-care and sovereignty. Yeah. To recognise. I mean, when you become a parent, it takes somebody who's already a parent to point out to you that if you don't have breakfast and look after <laughs> yourself, you aren't going to, be able to look after the children, and you know that's the very essence of being able to sustain being a being a, a mom on a day to day basis. But mm. it's it's that's just the micro of the macro of yeah. what I'm sharing, Sarah. When when we love ourselves enough to self care and see ourselves and honor who that being is, then that becomes like the hundredth monkey principle as well yeah it just has that ripple effect around the planet and mm. and i think it's kind of one of our biggest duties mm. responsibilities yeah at this point yeah. in time when there's so much that yeah. is hanging in the balance mm. and it's interesting with mothers because often they they feel guilt there's guilt connected to it yeah. like I'm you know I, I don't need to do this for myself I'm being selfish I feel guilty spending this time on myself or spending this money on myself so yeah. you know um and so and and guilt is one of the lowest vibrations on the planet so yeah. you're doing the opposite of so you know if you are a mother and you're listening to it um to this podcast then you know your children will get the best of you when you care for yourself when you self-actualize when you self-heal when you take care of yourself and then you show them how to lead in their own in so their true. own world yeah, yeah. and oh. that, that's just the most gorgeous um essence of just letting your light shine isn't it not being afraid of your own light you know by nurturing yourself you shine bright mm. um and that's a beautiful thing such so a beautiful true. thing. Such a beautiful thing. Mm. Such a beautiful way to end. <laughs> all of our listeners listening, I will put all of your details, Sarah, on the bottom of the podcast. So if anyone's interested in having one-on-one -on -one sessions with Sarah um, or doing any type of work, mm. um, I will pop her website underneath as well. 
Um, I'll actually, I'll give you the link because the Become an Extraordinary Receiver Challenge yes. is now up on my website. Okay, okay. fabulous. So and actually, you, I highly recommend that. It was, it was really a beautiful experience beautiful. to go through earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we were saying at the beginning, like, yeah, you really felt how, I say triggered, but how much that, yeah, triggered just being able to receive, which is yeah, very much on the hard. same page yeah. of the self-care and self nurturing yeah yeah talking about yeah so people can just go to the website and um, and download you know and listen to that's a free um beautiful okay. free healing oh on, thank you uh, our listeners well will love that they'll yeah. love that so thank you so much thank You're you so welcome. much for sharing your beautiful journey with us sarah it's You're really welcome. lovely having you on thank you for having me it's been Yay. fun okay. <laughs> bye lots of love ladies bye bye Sarah, if you want to stay just for a second. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And remember, all links to our guest are in the notes. Leave us a comment here or message us on Instagram how our guest today connected with you or perhaps something you wish to share. A special thank you to the blissful Ksenia Luki for our theme song. Joe and I will be with you next week. Bye. Ciao.